A really, really warm welcome again uh, to you. My name's Johnny. It's really good to have you with us here. Uh, we're going to have a look a little bit at this psalm together. What I want you to do, I want you to continue your conversation. I'm going to give you a couple of minutes. Uh, I want you to have a think of what are some of the characteristics of the perfect parent. Um, so if you're thinking about your own parents, you want to design them again. Uh, think of what you want to add in. Um, if you're thinking now on your parenting, what would you like more of maybe? Uh, but I think, what are some of the characters of a perfect parent you'd love? Have a chat with people around you. Have a couple of minutes uh, and then we'll get going. It's a tricky question. Uh, anyone want to have a few of the characteristics maybe? What do you think we'd, we'd, we'd look for maybe in ourselves? Patience. Patience, yeah. It's a huge thing. Huge thing. Patience, 100% patience. Forgiveness. Forgiveness, yeah. Massive as well. Anything else? Anyone else with anything? Good dress sense. Good dress sense, yeah. Helpful. Good sense of dress for your child as well, because that could, that could be criminal, couldn't it? It really could. Sense of humour. Yeah. I think all these things really helpful. One last one. Love. Love. Can't go wrong with that, as we're going to look at in a minute. Now, uh, as we've seen in the psalm we've looked at now, let me get it. Three verses we're going to look at particularly. On the screen. Now, the Bible describes God as Father, as our Father. And I'm aware as we come to that, for some people, that may be quite hard, maybe quite a painful concept to think about. Um, for others, this whole day, this whole gathering may be slightly painful as well for a number of reasons. So, thank you so much for joining us as we gather together. In this psalm, this song, it's a poem written by a man called David. We see him say, in some sense, though, that we can learn about what God the Father is like. Uh, as we look at human fathers. Verse 13 is on the screen. It says, As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. I was listening to conversation down here. Um, the reminder from the Ventress girls to John that he's not perfect. Um, on earth, there are not any perfect parents, are there? There's not any perfect fathers, any perfect mothers. Uh, and when we think about God, as we think about God now, as we're going to do, we have a tendency, don't we, to project uh, a concept of fatherhood upon God based on what we've received, based on what we know and what our experience is. We all have fathers. Some are or were better than others, but none are or were perfect. But in some ways, the Bible says here, some of their characteristics reflect the God in whom the Bible says we're created in his image. So as we as we celebrate and give thanks to God today for these three little ones, particularly as we commit as a church to pointing them towards Jesus together, to partner with their parents in that. Um, it's wonderful now to spend time lifting our eyes to God, to see what the Father is truly like, and to see what we're called to be like as parents and as people created in his image. I think as well with the news as it is at the moment, um, I think we'll see it's a really important passage to get our heads around as we lift our eyes off ourselves and up to our Father in heaven who is in control. And maybe, maybe if you've forgotten what God is like or, or you've not thought about it in a while, uh, maybe you're here and you don't know God, you don't follow him yet or believe in him, then this psalm is going to really help us see what the Bible says about God uh, and what he's like. So we're going to dive in. Um, I'm going to spend about, about 10 or 12 minutes only. Uh, don't you worry. Uh, and we're going to dive in especially on verses 11 to 13 on the screen there, where we get three descriptions, three similes of what God is like. So firstly, uh, we're going to see that the Father's love is so great, we can't comprehend it. Notice me there, verse 11, for as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. I was reading a book 
uh, earlier and it said an author described this. He said, describing the love of God is like trying to rugby tackle a snooker table. Uh, You can give it your best shot, but ultimately it's far too big for you to get your arms around. So any attempt you make will be hopelessly limited. Uh, So let me make a hopelessly limited attempt. Um, Right from the beginning, before the foundation of the world, God was love, the Bible says. It's a fundamental part of who he is. And I think just like the three parents who are up today would say that as soon as they found out about their child, that letter from Catherine was moving on that, they felt a deep love. Even more so, God has been a loving God in his DNA right from the beginning. And his love is not limited. See the image, it's awesome. As high as the heavens are above the earth, that's how great his love is. Now, I have no idea how exactly how high that is. I think that's a point. Um, I think that's poetry, isn't it? Um, but let's, let's go with the sun, just to give some scale here. The distance of the sun to the earth is 93 million miles, um, which is quite big. Um, so if the earth was a grape, the moon would be 16 inches away and the sun would be 163 yards away. I don't really know what yards is in meters, but it seems like quite a long way in comparison to a grape. Um, our world is a mere grape in an immense universe. And it says here, as high as the heavens are above the earth, that's how great his love is. It's vast, it's unmeasurable, it's unimaginable. And then it has that clause at the end. What does that mean? It says, as far as, as high as the heavens are above the earth, that's how great his love is for those who fear him. What does that mean? Well, fearing God is putting God first in our lives. Someone who fears God desires to live for him and put him first. And as we're going to see in a minute, we don't get that perfectly right. But to fear God is to put him first, to listen to what he has to say, to worship him above any other things. It's what we're praying for these children, along with these parents to do, to put God first. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. This is what God the Father is like, a God of of love. And we need to remember it now, not just because of all that's going on, um, but just in life as we look and imagine and think and ponder who God is as we see him revealed in his word. And we need to make sure we're not just abstract with this. I think it's very easy. Maybe you've heard this before. Uh, God is love. It's easy to go, yep, I get that. I think if I asked that question at the start, instead of parents, it's about God. What are the characteristics of God? If, if you wanted to describe that, we all have said love. It would have been right up there. Uh, but we don't know what that means, what impact that has on us now. Friends, if you put your trust in Jesus, his love for you is unparalleled. It's true now. He loves you Now, the one who created all those galaxies knows you by name. Unlike any parent here, he knows actually all about you. All you think, all you feel. He knows the hairs in your head. He knows your fears. He knows your worries. He knows your concerns. He knows and he loves. But then we ultimately see that love demonstrated. Demonstrates it as he sends Jesus. And we're going to see why he did that now as we go on to the next thing we see. We see the father offers total forgiveness in verse 12. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. I want you to think back to a time recently uh, when someone has wronged you, someone has annoyed you, frustrated you, angered you. I'm sure we've all got one, recent one, probably today, probably this morning. Have you forgiven them? Or does part of you still hold that against them? I, Suppose it maybe depends on the size of the offence to you potentially, whether repercussions are still being felt or not. Transgressions, we looked at those last week if you were here. The Bible has many words for what we call sin. One is transgressions, which is going against the boundaries of something that God has put in place, doing something he prohibits or, or failing to do what he explicitly commands. 
transgressions. I have a 14-month-old son, uh, and so I'm just moving into this phase of helping understand what he can and cannot do. Uh, the current favourite game of his is to bang wooden blocks on our windows. We have big sort of length windows there, and he loves to bang wooden blocks on them, or toys, or anything really. Um, now I can see the confusion for him. Uh, I get it, it's confusing for him. He's allowed to climb on the windows and hold his hands up, that's fine, that's legit, we let him do that. Um, he's allowed to stand looking out. We're pretty ambivalent about him banging his hands on the windows, that's okay. Um, they're pretty strong, but we don't let him bang bricks, cars, dinosaurs, books, anything between on the windows. And he hates it. He absolutely hates it. If you've got a child, you know this. Because I'll say to him, I'll go, Duncan, no. And he'll look at me. Duncan, no. Look at him again. And he'll often then do that cheeky thing. He'll smile at me. He'll look right at me. He'll literally eyeball me. He knows exactly what I mean, exactly what I'm saying. And then as I turn slightly away or I... He just thinks I'm distracted a little bit. He'll look right at me and just bang it on the window <laughs> and smile at me. He knows exactly what he's doing. Exactly what he's doing. He may not understand why I'm saying that. He hasn't yet seen glass smash, fortunately, the pain it can cause. But he's still transgressing in some sense. He's going against my instructions. And the Bible says all of us go against God's good instructions. Instructions given out of love. Uh, and I think if you think back this week, I'm sure you can think of times when you've done something you know is wrong. You've hurt someone maybe or thought something. And as we saw last week, if you were here last week, God can't ignore that. God is a God of complete love, as we've just seen. But he's also a God who is just. He commanded that the punishment for our transgression, for our rebellion is death. And yet this is when we then see his love in action. He's removed our transgression from us. And we see his love actually of how he went about that. Um, we looked earlier about the galaxies, about the heavens. Has anyone ever uh, gone into a plunge pool before? In one of those pools which is incredibly cold or incredibly warm, jacuzzi would be a similar thing. The temperature change is massively shocking, isn't it? We were fortunate enough to be at Centre Parks a few weeks ago, which was great. Uh, they're famous for their rapids outside. Uh, and it was March, and it was early March, and it was freezing outside. It's about 30 degrees inside, it's freezing outside. And the shock as you went from the, the warm pool to outside, was absolutely incredible. Now, this is such a poor simile, unlike the psalm. Now, imagine the shock of going from the heavens, from a place with no sin, to a place like Bethlehem, or a place like Bista. The Bible says Jesus laid aside all his majesty as he came to earth, out of love, to come and take the punishment we deserve in utter love. He demonstrated his love, which we see in verse 11, uh, so that he could take away our transgressions, to pay the punishment, to remove our sins, but not just to slightly remove them, not just to ignore them. See, it says here, as far as the east is from the west. That's again, there's no even point doing an example of what that is. We can see what he's saying here. We see earlier in the psalm, it says he forgives all your sins, the small ones. The biggest ones, which as soon as I mention that word, your mind flicks to. See just before as well in our verses, if you do have a Bible open on your phone or something, how God is described. It says the Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. This is what God is like. He doesn't treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities, but he did treat Jesus. That way as he paid the penalty for us. So friends, be encouraged. If you've trusted in Christ, 
your sins are totally removed. Not partly, not totally, uh, not, not slightly, but totally removed. So don't keep feeling guilty and wallowing in it. Christ has paid the penalty and now you're in him. He's removed your sins from you. Let's preach that to ourselves. Remind ourselves of that and live in light of that. Your greatest problem, and I know in the context of this week, you may not feel it. Your greatest problem has been dealt with if you trust in Christ. The start of a psalm has this. Praise the Lord my soul and forget not his benefits. We're forgetful people, aren't we? can't remember what I ate this morning. It's why we're called to meet together regularly, to help remember together his benefits together. It's why we look at scripture together. And I'm, I'm not sure exactly what meeting together is going to look like in the next few weeks, next few months. Do pray for wisdom for the government. Do pray for wisdom for us uh, as we have to make decisions. But in whatever happens, we'll work hard to make sure we have context to remind each other, to encourage each other. Because we don't do life alone. Maybe the government's been saying, hasn't it, sing happy birthday twice when you wash your hands for 20 seconds. Um, Lord's Prayer has been a good suggestion. Maybe memorise this psalm. Say half of it the first time you wash your hands, second half the next time you wash your hands. It's probably slightly longer than 20 seconds. And if you haven't put your trust in Jesus, can I please ask you to consider it? He alone, it says here, and we believe this true, can forgive sins. He alone can make you right with God. This psalm is, is famous, probably more famous for the verses just after ones we've looked at. Where it says, the life of mortals is like grass. They flourish like a flower of the field. The wind blows over it and it is gone. Its place remembers it no more. At the moment, this time more than ever, we're being faced with death around us in the news. We're confronting our mortality, isn't it? Sin is more deadly than the coronavirus, friends. So it's essential we put our trust in Jesus. Church, it's essential that we boldly then speak of Jesus to those who don't know him at this time, who are looking for hope, that we point them towards Jesus, for whom the psalm then goes on to say, from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him, and his righteousness with their children's children, with those who keep his covenant and remember to obey his precepts. The psalm calls us to fear him, to worship him. His love is so great we can't comprehend it. His forgiveness is absolutely total. And then finally, we see these wonderful verses. In verse 13, as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. I think if you want a picture of God's unconditional sacrificial love, watch parents care for an infant in the first weeks of life. A baby boy does not and cannot do anything for their parents, can they? They really can't. You can't give them a smile even. You kind of claim the burp smile as a smile for you, but it's not to burp. Uh, a baby girl is a bundle of needs, demands, interruptions. They obliterate normal life. Yet as we watch the parents' eyes, you look, don't you, and you see unconditional love. They feed, they change, they hold, they comfort a baby who has done nothing and will do nothing for them. But how they love him. There's no better image of God's unmerited, freely given love than that. And one of the main characteristics here given of a father is that of compassion. It comes, compassion comes, doesn't it, from understanding the limitations of someone, doesn't it? The verse after this reminds us, he knows how we were formed. He remembers that we are dust. God knows us. He knows our frailty. He knows we have limitations. He knows we will fail to keep his commands. And Jesus' whole life centred on compassion. He was moved to help the weak and the helpless. 
And in this time now, he knows our anxiety. He knows our fear. He knows our confusion. He knows it and he has compassion on us. For the parents here today, for those we were praying for just earlier, he sees your sleepless nights, your worries, your fears. He sees it and he has compassion. Ultimately, his whole life was one of compassion. And compassion is always costly, isn't it? As we think about the children today, we remember that birth involves pain, it involves risk. Uh, an author, uh, a pastor in America, Tim Keller, he says this, he says, your first birth brings you physical life because someone risked her life. But your second birth brings you spiritual and eternal life because someone gave his life. Ultimately, the father's compassion is seen in the actions of Jesus. That love as it's outworked is seen in Jesus' compassion for those who fear him, who put him first. And this is what we long for those children we're praying for. It's what we're doing today. We're committing together to pray and to point these children towards Jesus. They'll put their trust in him in time. Because in him alone life is found. And for the parents here, we're praying that the influence they have, which is great, would show the children what God is like. They'll show him these characteristics of God. Ultimately, only God can save them can bring them to trust in him. But for the parents and for us as a church as a whole, we can point them to God. We can point them to show them what he's like through our actions, as the verses tell us today. So as we close, what now? And what now in this climate right now? Well, this psalm is a psalm of praise right at the start. And we're going to sing some praise in a minute as we close. Praise the Lord, my soul, verse 1 and 2. All my inmost being, praise his holy name, Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits. So first, if you follow Jesus today, do that. Praise him for all his benefits. Let's meditate and mull on those things more than anything else. Let these amazing truths affect how we live, how we live amongst each other, how we work, how we parent. As we close, let me read this quote from a guy called Paul Tripp. He's written a book on parenting, but I think this is helpful for all of us. And whether we trust in Jesus today or not yet, he says this. He says, if we are ever to represent the great father well, we need to be fathered by him as well. If we're going to give grace to our children, we need to confess that we are but children in daily need of our father's care. If we're going to be patient, we need to confess our need for patience. If we're going to be forgiving, we need to admit our need for forgiveness. If we're going to persevere, we need to humbly admit that our only hope is that our Heavenly Father will never get up on us. And if we're going to teach our children to run to Jesus daily, we must run to Jesus daily ourselves. Friends, as we give thanks for these young lives today, as we come to church recognising all that is going on in the world today, and I mean all, it's not just for reading the news at the moment, there's lots more than what is going on there. Let us be a people who run to Jesus daily who meditate on this wonderful God, this father of all compassion who we worship, who remind each other together of his benefits and point others towards him in whom hope and life alone is found. I'm going to pray and then John's going to help us as we sing our final song together, of bless the Lord, O my soul. We do that together and encourage each other together. So let's uh, bow our heads and pray with me now and then we're going to stand and sing. Praise the Lord, my soul, all my inmost being. Praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Father, thank you for reminders in this psalm, for reminders in your word in the Bible of what you are like, of your unparalleled, unmeasurable love. 
of the way that was demonstrated in sending Jesus so that we can say, as far as the east is from the west, so far our sins have been removed from us. We praise you for that. We thank you so much that we see your character defined here as it is, as a God of all compassion. He looks down on us and shows such compassion, but he sent himself to come and die in our place. We praise you for reminders of that, Lord, that you are God and you are king and you're worthy of praise. Help us be a people who remind each other of that day to day. We thank you and we praise you for who you are and for what you've done. Amen.